Welcome to South London Hardcore. This is the first episode of a new podcast coming to you all the way from New Cross. I'm Jack McEnroe. I'm Steve Walsh. This week we're going to be talking about South London sitcoms. So, Only Fools and Horses, Desmond's, Up the Elephant and Around the Castle. And Steve, I think maybe right now is the time to lay down our credentials as South Londoners. Just establish that we're not some flyby nights. We are... We're hardcore. We're hardcore. Thing, yeah, South hardcore. hardcore. The, the name is not a joke, is it? No. It's a bit of a joke, but we'll, we'll go into that. <laughs> um, yeah, born in Dulwich, me. Raised in Warworth. Now in New Cross, as I said. Beautiful. Beautiful. And when you lived in Warworth, of course, one of my favourite aspects of your South London credentials, adjoining roads. Yeah. You moved within Warworth, but... I've only ever lived on adjoining roads for the first uh, 17 years. Beautiful, isn't it? Not 17 Pure. years, 25 years. It's fine, isn't it? Don't, you don't need to... You, if anything, you're not exaggerating enough. Um, I was born in Camberwell, King's College Hospital, which I'm sure uh, listeners will know. Um, lived in, I think it was Thamesmead when I was born, then we lived in Brixton for a while. Spent most of my childhood in Camberwell Green on the Peabody Estate. Then moved down to another Peabody Estate, uh, closer to Peckham, but still in Camberwell. Then moved to Dulwich. Then started moving further and further south, so from sort of Camberwell to Dulwich to uh, Annerley. And I'm still in Annerley now. Annerley, Penge, Borders. As south as South London gets, I reckon. I am a filmmaker and I write a Tottenham Hotspur blog, you'll win nothing with yids.com. I'm not going to explain why that's not anti Semitic, you just have to take my word for it. Um, the club don't, obviously. No, the Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> Football Club, we don't see eye to eye, you know, they don't approve of the blog, but you know, if you're into football, check your, it your out. Your tagline is a blog in no way. Is it in nowhere affiliated or in nowhere? In nowhere, yeah, something like that. Authorised by the club, you know, mm. they came after me, Steve, for using their logo. But the less said about them, the better, in a yeah. way. Tottenham Hotspur PLC. You, Steve, also a blogger, prolific blogger, I think. How many, uh, how many have you got on the go? At the moment, none. They're on hiatus until I start doing my South London-related blog that will obviously tie into what we're going to be talking about on this show. But Which in is the called? past, uh, that's going to be called These Electric Avenues. Which was one of my suggestions for potential names for the show. Yeah. Um, other potential names for the show I came up with. Elephants, castles and crystal palaces. I stand by that. You know, that's fine. Yeah, um, that's pretty sig- a signal from the south, I think, was workable. Yeah. But, uh, as you can hear, Jack, despite my despite my credentials as a prolific blogger and a man who not only comes up with names for blogs, but then comes up with entirely different names for URL addresses to confuse anyone that might actually want to find them, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a wellspring that I'm drawing on with lots of different ideas, but as Jack points out, not always great ideas. But and that doesn't bother me. I'll go with them. But you know, wiser wiser heads can counsel otherwise. A couple of your blogs, Steve, that are worth reading. Yeah, because let's be honest, they're not all of them are. No, it's, uh, it's a mixed bag. Where the light shines through, a celebration and exploration of incomplete works. That's pretty tidy, isn't it? That's good stuff. Yeah. And Foma Party. A tribute to the determination of humanity to find acceptable forms of existence. Yeah, FOMO Party much more popular, generally. Yeah, it's than, probably the best, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know, I'd imagine where Light Shine Through would have, because FOMO Party is just eccentric lives, essentially. I've sort of dressed it up. You've nicked FOMO from Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, I've dressed it up and given it credentials by uh, basically ripping off Kurt Vonnegut. Where Light Shine Through, I think, is a, a purer idea and more of my own idea and therefore weaker. <laughs> and, and not as popular. Yeah. So, you, little tip for anyone out there: if you're going to steal, steal from Kurt Vonnegut, uh, or just the best generally. But yeah, I went from Kurt Vonnegut, and it's, it's paid off huge. But on, you'll find links to the other stuff we do on our site, southlondonhardcore.com. 
um, if you have the inclination to read about people kicking a football around or nutcases in your case <laughs> mostly yeah <laughs> mostly yeah write about what you know that's what they say isn't it? so Steve we'll talk about um, a couple of classic South London sitcoms I use the word classic loosely uh, yeah, classic and probably notorious. Not notorious because I don't think the one we're going to talk about mainly is particularly well known. And I think the reasons why it's not particularly well known become obvious once you look at it for more than maybe 10 to 15 seconds because it's, uh, it's awful. It's terrible. So we'll start with a, a more positive uh, sitcom there. The other Peckham sitcom. Yeah, not only Fours and Horses, Desmond's. Desmond's, wonderful. So, when I was um, a kid, well, what year did Desmond start? 1989? Uh, Desmond's ran from 1989 to 1994. Yeah, see, I, I, I started secondary school in 1994, and people were still watching it, and Pork Pie, obviously, the spin-off. <laughs> but I, never, I, never, I didn't see Desmond's until, what, yesterday, when I watched the epi- <laughs> you know, an episode you know, after you mentioned it. But it was always kind of a thing that people watched. And when I say people... You know, I partly mean black people in my school. See, that's the thing. I uh, We were talking about earlier, and Lakeisha said, uh, Lakeisha being Jack's wife, uh, said that she watched it because uh, for her family it was exciting there were going to be black people on television. And I watched Desmond's because I was excited that Peckham was going to be on television. And I lived just down the road, and it was filmed on location. And it was, it was you know, that was what was exciting about it. When they went outside, you could see... Cracker Jack. <laughs> I think Cracker Jack... If you watch the last episode of Only Fools and Horses, one of the last shots is Del Boy leaving the estate. And it's really odd for him to get to this point. It's a huge, it's a juggernaut of a television show. It's a huge thing. You'd imagine at this point, they're only getting the best people to work on it, production assistants and, and whatnot. But as they leave the estate, uh, there's a sign up that says BBC Television Centre or something. We'll, really? Yeah, we'll, we'll oh, find gosh. the clip and put it up. But it's amazing. It's a big ask. Yeah, we'll definitely find the clip. Like, it's it's easy. Uh, uh, yeah, we can definitely, it's, honestly. When, and when you see it, it might have been Brian who told me. Someone pointed out to me and I was like, and when they told me, I was like, there's no way that's true. There's no way. If it was like three episodes in. Oh, you've in, seen it? I've seen it. And that's the thing. It's so oh, obvious. Wow. And uh, if it's three episodes in, you go, it's early days. They don't know what they're doing. They're not necessarily the best people on it. This was, this would have been one of the Christmas specials. So 2003, 2004, one of the last episodes, it would have been, you know, the, the crown jewel of BBC mm. television, Christmas Day, you know, before Doctor Who came back. This was Fools and Horses. Yeah, it was the biggest thing, oh, wasn't it? Huge. After Morgan Wise, before Doctor Who, Fools and Horses Christmas special was what it was all about. They would have spent, you know, tons of money on it, got the best people in. And somehow, for this massive shot, they managed to leave a huge sign-up that makes it very clear... It's not the Nelson Mandela estate. It's definitely um, a BBC property somewhere. So yeah, uh, that was the thing about Fools and Horses. It was you know wonderful, fantastic show. Uh, you know, Del Boy moves through the bar, doesn't he? <laughs> it's, it's the funniest, funniest, thing, ever, funniest yeah. thing on British television. Ever. We, ever we've got we've got proof of that. We've got evidence that we've got polls that, that yeah. show that to be the case. Data. But for me, um, I don't know. I, well, I, I loved both from growing up, but Desmond's was always a bit more special. Because it did feel uh, like the local show. I think going back to Only Fools and Horses uh, quickly, it's it was such a huge thing and such a kind of uh, 
as I want to say institution, but I don't really think that applies, does it? But for false notices, yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, it was, it was, huge, it was an institution, it? Steve. Oh, it was without a doubt, yeah. But it was one of those sort of things where it was sort of it was so huge, and I, I always enjoyed it as a kid. But then, sort of as I was coming of age, comedy changed. Well, not comedy, television changed. Yeah. Where you moved away from um to from a multi camera show to a one camera show, as they would yeah. say in America, yeah. you took out canned laughter. And suddenly that it seems so antiquated, although it's difficult for me to see how it was ever not ridiculous to do things in front of a live audience. You know, it always seemed ridiculous, even even before it kind of became the norm not to do it, that you'd come out on a stage and people would be clapping and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, you know, away, so things like, change. This is definitely not anything other than people on the stage pretending to be people, isn't it? This is, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But, well, like, I feel I'd, I'd have to go back and watch some more Only Fools and Horses. To, the think, thing about to... Fools and Horses, I mean, yeah, there's, a, there's a, a big sort of debate to be had about it as a show, but the defining moment, I think everyone can agree, and it is, it's a known thing in, in television shows. Uh, the one rule, particularly for sitcoms, is you don't take the people out of the situation. The situation is is this, and the comedy sitcoms, the comedy comes from the situation. And the situation with Falls and Horses was they were struggling and they had dreams and they were going to be millionaires. And, you know, I think, to be fair, I think it was supposed to be the last episode ever. But they made the millionaires. They they did that, and at that point, it's yeah, just it was, pointless. Wasn't it? But, but did they not make that, something after that? Was that not like supposed to be the end? Then they made another. They made they made specials, yeah. and it was they lost their money, and then they had to get back. But by this point, it's scam, but also it? at nah, that point that does not scan. No, nah, nah, all scansion has gone at that point. But also, even before that, I mean, you know, you can uh, you can uh, you can track it pretty much, and it's I don't know it's horrible to say it, but you can track it once they get married. Once, once she's they, not a strong character, is she? And the kid, the kid well, is awful. The, isn't it? The, the problem with the kid is once, once you get the kid in, uh, you get children say the funniest things. It's not, it's not even that you get, and this is the, the I can track the moment that like, uh, the falls and horses lost it for me. They have the kids, and uh, Del Boy does the great gag where uh, he comes out and he's like crying and so overwhelmed with the fact that he's, you know, got a child. It's a little baby. Exactly. And what is it? It's a baby, Rodney. And everyone, you know, it's a great game. But then they've been setting up the whole thing about what's the baby going to be called and the baby's called Damien. And Rodney meets the baby for the first time and it's Damien and they play the music from the Omen. Yeah. And for me, the show ends at that point. There's no point in carrying on after that because every time after that, every time, but at least once an episode, there's just a bit where the kid looks at Rodney, or Rodney looks at the kid, and the music comes out, and you're like, okay, we, we don't need yeah. this anymore, do we? <laughs> and, it is, it's always, and it is the problem, again, where when Falls and Horses was great, it's where you've got... And it's not entirely true, because it had a wonderful supporting cast, but it was my favourite bits were Dollboy, Rodney, and Uncle Albert, or Grandad in the flat, just bantering. That's, what it was, that's when it was great. Just, you, had, you, had, you know, it's, there, And there's so many comedy tropes there all in one thing you've got the three ages of man you've got the young man you've got the adult man you've got the old man you've got uh you know uh the wise man in Dell. you've got the fool in rodney and you've got you know the the supposed sage in, in grandpa and uncle albert who you know are undercut by the fact that they're not particularly wise you've got the three of them so it's perfect in terms of doing structuring jokes and banter you know ticking all these things and then suddenly you know Dell's married so there's you know, 
Did Cassandra come in at the same time? Cassandra, I think it was around the same time, but Cassandra was never... They're kind of in the same aren't they, Raquel and Sandra? This is the problem. Raquel moves in, so suddenly the dynamic in the flat's blown, because you've got... Get someone else in, quick. (laughs) But uh, But then I think to correct that, they took Rodney out. So Rodney marries Cassandra, but then suddenly in the flat, you haven't got the Frasier's man. You've got a husband and wife... And a and random, an old man, man, living random there. old man living there. And that's a very different show. Yeah. And, uh, as it turns out, not as good. And it's never gonna be, because I don't know, I, I don't know how you, I'm sure you could pitch that show, yeah, it's, uh, it's a husband and wife, and, uh, his granddad living there, and you're like, right, okay. More like two guys that go on a pizza place in it than Only Falls and Horses, I think. This is, it's just not, exactly, that's the thing, it was not, it wasn't Only Falls and Horses anymore, it became, and the thing is, at this point, the characters were so, oh, uh, affectionately thought of by the British public, they could get away with it. And yeah. stick him in uh, Batman and Robin outfits, and people are slapping their thighs, <laughs> aren't they? On Boxing Day. Did that ever do anything for you? Because for me, I never. I was they... too young to judge it. Really, I think I think I laughed, but you know. But my thing was, they they sort of released the shot. I think it might have been on the cover yeah. of the Radio Times. Like it was this huge thing where this was going to be Fools and Horses this year, and. They sort of showed it and they sort of flagged it up and went, keep an eye out for this. This is going to be, and maybe because they flagged it up like that. But when it happened, uh, I was just sort of like, right. Yeah, and I it remember wasn't. that from the Radio Times yeah. cover. And, and fair play to, uh, John Sutherland, who wrote Pools and Horses, you know, over the years. I, you know, I say my favourite bits are when, uh, they're in, the three of them are in the flat bantering. And that's I'm doing a big a, fan of Trigger. Personally. Well, this is the thing, and it's doing voicing. a massive disservice to, it's one of the, it's probably the best, ensemble cast in the history of British comedy in terms of like supporting characters because and, and you know it's not Boise's not strong enough to get a spin off but the fact that they thought he was <laughs> you know so it's like yeah. and as you say Trigger I mean Trigger's one of the best comedy characters ever isn't he just such a simple idea to do the to do a kind of stupid character yeah. isn't as easy as it sounds no, is it and like, yeah. Trigger he's great as well at yeah. doing it isn't he he's, and whenever so much so oh, that whenever you see him in anything else yeah. and like I remember as a kid if you ever saw him in anything else he's doing like that posh accent which is his accent his normal voice yeah you hear his normal <laughs> voice and you're like why is he putting that voice on <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so who's he trying to impress with his fancy not I'm not Trigger voice so that's the thing with John Sullivan you can imagine with the success he had with the supporting cast he probably thought Raquel and Cassandra just more gold, isn't it? Be fine. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, uh, it would be it would make my case much more compelling if I could remember the name of Boyce's wife. But Boyce's <laughs> wife is a fantastic. So it's not like he couldn't write good female characters. Yeah, she it's is not good, like yeah. you know it's a letdown when Boyce's wife turns up. But clearly, you know, the show is dominated by men, and a lot of it is about it's about masculinity, isn't it? It's about Dell. You know, putting on a lot, of, and they make a lot of that in later episodes as well. And that was, you know, the key to to uh, Falls and Horses was the fact that it started off as a very broad sitcom and turned into something that was quite emotionally compelling. Which sounds odd to say, and probably sounds a bit like I'm giving it far too no, much. No, no, it, it definitely, definitely was, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I think it is, and you know, for, you know, for all my my qualms about marrying off the characters. The scene, I don't know if you remember the episode, where, where, uh, the episode where Rodney gets married. And the scene at the end where Del, uh, just sort of, they just have a moment where, uh, it's, it's Del saying goodbye to me. It's, it's hugely affecting to sort of watch these characters that you have seen for years. Grown up with in a way. Well, yeah, but you've just watched them falling over and tripping over and messing up up time after time. 
But you do, you grow to love them as characters. And that, that again, is, is tribute to John Sullivan's writing. And as I say, you know, for all, all my question of, oh, it's not filmed on location, and he got them married, and he did this, and he did that, and they left a sign-up at the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which that. I'm not, but to be, uh, let's be fair, no one's pinning that on John Sullivan, are they? No one's going, <laughs> I, I doubt yeah. very much if John Sullivan Location's in the script, no, or, or even John Sullivan in the script goes, they leave the Nelson Mandela estate, <laughs> a sign says. At that point, to be fair, if he if that's what he wants, if that's how he wants to go If up, he's done fine. that, that's quite a neat thing, isn't it? It's, it's nice, isn't it? It seems sort of fun, like, turns out it was actually all made up. So there's a sitcom that you like less, Steve, uh, starring Jim Davison. Up the Elephant Round the Castle. When you say like less, uh, you get to about going from something that I like a lot to something that I don't like at all. Yeah, when you first said there's a sitcom called Up the Elephant and Round the Castle, I was like, that's that's the greatest name for a sitcom ever. <laughs> this can only be brilliant. Yeah, it's and straight away, in the same way as I grew up, five minutes, ten minutes from where Desmond's uh, was filmed and set, you would have grown up five minutes, ten minutes from where... Elephant yeah, exactly, and Elephant and Castle. Yeah. Um, and Imagine, the, you, you know, as, uh, there's a sitcom set in the Elephant and Castle. With Wonderful. Elephant and Castle in its name. Ah, it's all there, isn't it, you know? But... Well, it's not there, is it? That's the problem. That's the first, well, this one of many problems, not the problem. But you say you remember this from the time? Va- vaguely, because, uh, again, it would have been... It started in the winter of 83, right? 83. So I was 11 months old. How old were you, Steve? Just to establish as well for our listenership the How, difference in age. The old, who's the older and who's the young? That's what you're trying to establish. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to put it in terms our listeners can understand. Before I do, I'm happy to do that, but before I do that, <laughs> uh, you're 11 months old. What do you remember of the show? I'd never heard of it. What? Exactly. Very, you were slow to When I mentioned it to my dad, um, well, it's a Jim Davison sitcom, yeah? Yeah. But when I mentioned it to my dad, I was like, do you have you heard of I got so much stick for it at the time. So, so he did, you'd hope he did. Yeah, but they put it on telly, didn't they? They put but it on anyway, telly. I should probably let you explain what it is first. Before. And he got, he got three series. So, you know. Couldn't have been that much. 20, 22 episodes, yeah. It was constantly recommissioned for uh, uh, two years. Um, I would have been eight years old. Uh, little nod to acknowledge. <laughs> the, uh, so if I read the premise of the show... Uh, it won't explain why I got excited by it because it doesn't have very exciting. But you got to remember, it's set just up the road. And again, you used to go shopping in Peckham. You used to go shopping at Everything Castle Shopping Centre. So the idea of these Steve, places... Steve, you're from South London. We get it. All I'm saying is... <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is... And this is... As with most things I'm going to quote on this, this is from Wikipedia, uh, because I like facts... <laughs> in the sense of I can't believe that... Wikipedia's don't can still be funny it's, it's all there isn't it? yeah I, I like things that are status fact I'm not too concerned about whether they are facts or not so Wikipedia thinks that up the elephant around the castle uh, has a general plot of Jim London is a young man who gets into all types of problems with the law and spends most of his time getting drunk and chasing women Jim London Jim London so straight away 
I'll say two words in there's a problem. One word in there's a problem because it reminds me of Jim Davidson in the That's show. It's awful, isn't it? When he came out, I thought <laughs> it was shocking. It was such a bad choice of name. It's it's so... And the thing is, well, and it'd be interesting because you've seen some of the show as well. I've seen, yeah, just the first episode. That was and, and so have I. And I think from that you can extrapolate pretty much what the rest of it is going to be like. But for me, and I don't know, it'd be interesting to get your take on it. Jim Davidson, when he's not... Uh, doing uh, incredibly crass stand-up comedy, uh, terrible sitcoms, and entertaining... Snooker game shows. Snooker game shows, entertaining in British forces overseas. That's something that's a big part of what he does. Um, Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, huge. If you ask him, that'd probably be... That, that's what he'd want to be remembered for. So, yeah, Jim, Jim Davidson, when he's not doing these things, his other sort of uh, thing he's known for is pantomime. Um... But Jim Davidson, being Jim Davidson, does a very specialised form of pantomime. He does adult. Does he? Uh, yeah. This is, you know, and this is what this is what's wonderful about Jim Davidson. You can say things about him, and you sort of think, "Is that true?" I mean, <laughs> this is the thing. In 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 this, you've got to remember one of the spines. One of the spines. One of the the main elements to his character in the show is the fact that um, he has a lot of success with women. And when you look at Jim Davidson as a physical specimen, Ginger. It's one of those ones where, well, yeah, it's not even, it's just, uh, you just imagine repellent, don't you? But apparently, you know, Charming, though, isn't he? Charming Cockney that's, Geezer. That's it. Well, and, well, this is the thing, we're sort of like. Where's he from? He's, he's from Kidbrook. Where's that? Uh, it's, I think it's round sort of Sidcut, Bellingham Way. So it's sort of oh, South it London. Is South London. Yeah, he's a Charlton fan, so it's Can that we re-edit sort of... that so, where, so I know where Kidbrook is? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've made it very clear that I've shopped in at least two places in South London. I've, 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 I've established my credentials. I'm not letting you get away with it. Your roots are not in um, but the, And this is the thing. In real life, he has been married five times, which is incredible. Five different yeah, women. That's... If you'd said to me, Jim Davis has held hands with five different women, you'd go, no, there's no chance. Maybe three women ever. Are they all Caucasian? <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, want to know. Very much so. Yeah, some of uh, the adult pantomimes that Jim Davison has performed in is uh, one of them is Cinderella, which sounds is good. that spelled with an S? It is spelled with an S. Very well done. Very well done. Um, the next one less less work needed. Pussy in boots. Oh, you you could you could be writing for him. This is fine. Um, uh, ba- uh, boobs in the wood. Boobs in the wood. Like Not babes ba- in the wood. Like babes in the wood. Bo- boobs. Yeah. Cinderella comes again at this point that he's, doesn't count no, at all. it doesn't does it I mean uh, he's written uh, a part three of the Cinderella Panto thankfully but it hasn't actually been released yet yeah <coughs> where does he have it on like at Catford um, he's played uh, let's see Peckham Civic Centre doesn't none of them I'd, make, I'd imagine he tours with them because it doesn't say yeah in, in 2006 Jim played the lead role in the pantomime Dick Whittington at the Orchard, Orchard, Orchard Theatre you don't need to do anything with that do you no the, I'd the imagine with that one I think that might have been a straight pantomime oh. and he just <laughs> he just happens to be there I mean this, this is the thing Jim Davidson uh, in terms of uh, titles for shows um, there's also a list of his DVD releases. Um, Exposed is one of them. Just an X. Big capital X, posed. So, probably rude. Yeah. Imagine. Uh, and then, as I say, he does a lot of work with the armed forces. I haven't seen any of his DVDs. So where it says Jim Davison, the boys, 
I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming uh, it's that rather than, yeah. you know, Cinderella comes again, but he's going for the pink pound. And when I say pink pound, it sounds worse, doesn't it? That's, <laughs> that's not helping anything. Um, Is that a real phrase? Talking about gay money? Pink pound, yeah. Yeah, very much. It's a marketing <laughs> thing. The money's not gay. <laughs> no, but a lot of disposable income. Yeah, you, you would, uh, yeah. But would they use that term in like a boardroom? Uh... I don't know. I don't. You've not been in many boardrooms, have you? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of episodes of The Apprentice I've watched. You've seen more than me. Yeah. You know if. Yeah. You should have gone for the pink pants. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> um, red, white, and very blue is another one of Jim's. Yeah. What year is that from? Doesn't have years, unfortunately. You don't... Very blue. Very blue. When did people stop using the word blue? That was in the eighties, wasn't it? Well. This is my, my point about Jim Davidson. There's when people stop using phrases and when Jim Davidson stopped using phrases. So, yeah. I mean, we were watching some of his stand-up earlier and you were stunned that in the 90s he was still doing possibly his most famous uh, comic voice, that of Chalky White, uh, Jim's Jamaican friend, or he'd probably call him Caribbean cousin. Because <laughs> Jim likes to imply uh, that he's related to black people, it was while at the same shocking, time make it? it clear that he hasn't really got a lot of time for him at all. He's, uh, and, you know, I- I've got to be open about this now. We're going to be quite, I don't know, we're going to be quite horrible about Jim Davidson. Are we? I, I am, certainly. <laughs> but at no point are we going to be unfair. I mean, we were talking about it before, and I, uh, I said to you, I'll probably need to do... A libelous... A double episode, you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I initially described it as a, a libelous biography of Jim Davidson and then correcting myself because it's not libel if it's true, mm. is it? That's the thing. So you can say, yeah, Jim Davidson was in a terrible sitcom. That's true. You can't, you know... Jim Davidson is a massive racist. <laughs> not massive. He's not even that big anymore. Hey. But also, you know, if Jim Davidson wants to go after us, A, great for the show. Mm. That works. Yeah. Be lawyer up because you haven't got a case, have you? You, you know, these are what your DVDs are called. If yeah. you've chose to, chosen to give them such terrible names, um, uncovered and uncensored standards. It's just Jim Davidson making it very clear he's going to be talking about fannies. Uh, Jim Silver Jubilee, vote for Jim. Which, uh, yeah, with that, I imagine is the subtitle "Vote Labour" and well, that's the f- is a neighbour. <laughs> I don't, well, Jim Davidson would be one of those uh, people like Phil Collins. You'd imagine he probably threatened to leave uh, England throughout the 80s if Labour got in. Which, for me, would be a huge reason to vote Labour. Phil Collins it? said that, did he? Phil Collins did it, didn't he? Did he? I'm pretty sure. Right, hold on. This is where I don't want to lie with someone, because I'm pretty sure... No, but I don't think he's going to come after Phil Collins. Let's <laughs> say, lawyer up, bring it on. Because, yeah, exactly. Um, with Vote for Jim, though, with a lot of these DVDs... Um, Bearing in mind, you'd imagine they're first coming out at the, the dawn of the DVD age. Jim Davidson being very quick to jump on the fact that he can make a bit more money off the same roping material. Um, so I'd imagine production design. With a lot of these, you can imagine what the cover looks like. And with Vote for Jim, he'd, oh. he'd Rosette. Yeah, he would though, wouldn't he? Maybe in pot with a hat on, putting it. Oh, the, uh, would, yeah. Uncle Sam style. Yeah. Lord Kitchener. Uncle Jim. Why don't you just call it Uncle Jim? <laughs> Uncle Jim needs you. That would be a terrible name for it. Um, full on, with an exclamation mark. Jim Davis. And again... How many DVDs has he got? Loads, because he's got so much material. Um, I mean, Chris Rock has got about five. Chris Rock's much better. <laughs> you say he's better, and yet he's only got five DVDs. So, But Jim Davis would be going for longer, isn't he? Um, also, you can imagine a lot of it's just the same material repackaged, isn't it? Uh, in Your Face... 
is another Jim Davidson title. I don't know if that came out before or after Jim Davidson and the boys. That's, <laughs> that's not one of his. Uh, um, yeah, I don't want to do a biography of Jim Davidson mainly because uh, it's pretty dull. But uh, he, it, uh, there are a couple of things to quote. Just if only to make it clear that if if it comes across as us being unfair towards Jim Davidson, oh, you say us, Steve, but I'm mostly... if it comes across that I'm being uh, unfair towards Jim Davidson, let's make it clear he's a disabled person. I think I can do that with one quote. Uh, from his full, his first autobiography, one of these celebrities that feels need to do more than one, constantly updating us. Um, his first autobiography, The Full Monty in 1983. Um, in this, and again, I'm going to quote from Wikipedia, he frankly talks about his violent and abusive behaviour towards his wife in a light-hearted manner. <laughs> so, I mean, I've got the quote. If you need a quote, yeah. that for me is enough. Where you go, I oh, did he, right. Yeah. He seems like a joke person, it turns out he is. Um, Jim's take on it. Uh, we're like a couple of boxers. On the first occasion, I poked her in the eye by accident. I actually went for the mouth. Thank heaven I missed, I'd have fallen in. I just took a playful punch. Unfortunately, I caught her completely wrong. The second time, I gave her a shiner. I threw a bunch of keys, which whacked her in the eye. <laughs> just for a giggle, she kept blacking it up to make it look worse. So, I think after this... threw a pair of keys in his wife's eye. Yeah, but... <laughs> She, just for a laugh, she kept blacking up to make it look worse. So, I mean, you could pretty much take any five words out of there at any point. Black it up. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that's... Uh, yeah, the second time I gave her a shiner. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I uh, think at this point in the uh, show, Steve, we should just clarify that you're not Gary Bushel because people are going to see your picture <laughs> and they're going to go, this is a bit rich, Mr. They, Bushel. <laughs> they're going to think it's just me trying to position myself ahead of Jim Davidson. In, uh, you see what I've done there as well. I've just sort of crowbarred in that when people look at the picture, I'm the tall, handsome, blonde. That's fine. And you're the uh, short, handsome... Uh, They'll be know. looking at the picture going, which one of these guys is one-eighth Russian Jew? Yeah. Surely not Gary Bushel on the left there. No. And they'll, and they'll be right. The great thing about the photograph of us is uh, I think we both look handsome. Yeah, we look alright, don't we? Yeah. That's pretty much all I've got on Jim Davidson. There is more that we could talk about, but we don't have to. Maybe we should talk about the sitcoms. Let, this is the thing. Let's talk about the show. But I think now we've established we can be uh, horrible about the show mm. and people will go, they were really horrible about that show, but Jim Davidson threw keys in his wife's face. <laughs> so <laughs> the great thing is we can be just yeah. brutal and we're still the good guys, yeah, aren't we? Yeah. This is this is the we wonderful can throw thing. Keys in the eyes we're, of the show's face because it's a show and not a human being that bleeds and bruises. And you know, if we do uh, throw keys in the show's face, uh, it doesn't need to black keep black in the it. eye for you know the, the second time. We're going to we, throw them hard to do. We're going to you know we can go. This is the thing we we can we're, we're never going to be unreasonable towards Jim Davidson because he set the bar so low as a human being. Mm. That, you know, to, I don't know, how would you be fair to Jim Davidson? Yeah, I would say that the show is slightly less racist. And, I mean, the sexism is overt. Yeah. Um, but it's not as bad as is some of his stand-up, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's all... not. It's because it's for network television. Yeah. That's the thing. So they've got... <laughs> it's it's funny. Uh, he's forced to be somewhat civilised by the fact that... Uh, S- somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah, yeah the, the feel of the show, for me... Uh, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about Jim Davidson's career. Um, it felt a lot like a pantomime, the sort of way it was staged and set and performed. I mean, certainly the the uh, adversaries in the uh, opening episodes, you've got this crime family 
and it's these two goons and an old woman and like at one point this bunch of notes goes up in the air and it's sort of you know money raining down on them I mean it's ridiculous it's a kind of farce and it is very much a pantomime so he was presumably um, quite a big star when the, when the show was made yeah was, well mass- yeah. I'm, what I'm basing that on is that the show <laughs> opens with a, a appalling set yeah, this is another thing when you go back to sitcoms or any television, it's certainly British television, before anything before the 90s and then sort of, you know, even into the 90s. But it's just an appalling little blatant, you know, painted set. Yeah. And it, anyway, so Jim Davidson walks out in his dressing gown and like people are howling in the, in the, in the audience. They're howling with laughter. Just Jim Davidson in a dressing gown, people but are cracking. I think he hasn't said anything. You're not doing justice to the dressing gown. <laughs> it's, it's a brown terry cloth dressing gown that's clearly, and I mean, I don't know about the, the fashions for uh, dressing gowns in 1983. We've established, Dave, you're already like well into uh, I, I was, I was, I was 26 at this point. Who knows <laughs> what was. But uh, it, for me, that dressing gown's two or three sizes too small for a minute. This is, yeah. And he comes out, and obviously he comes out in this. Uh, is, was that the joke? P- possibly, but my thing is I thought is it was well, just people sort of warming up for a well, Jim da- I, half an hour of a Jim Davidson sitcom and they, they were so tickled by that prospect. I thought they were trying to sell Jim Davidson as the sex toy that he's clearly going to be in the show. Sex toy? Because he's he's going to be, uh, you know, I, I refer back to the plot, he's going to be... Up, yeah, he's going to be spending most of his time getting drunk and chasing women. So you have to establish early on, this guy's a Lothario. Yeah. He wears a very small dressing gown. How do you establish that? Put a, put a dressing tiny, tiny dressing gown. Tiny dressing gown. And, that, and that's the thing. So for me, but, and that's the thing, I think that was what they were trying to do. But for me, all that did immediately was make me think, oh my God, Jim Davison is physically repugnant, isn't he? Just <laughs> ugly. Do you know what I think? An well, ugly, ugly man. I don't know. I mean, fo- I would say focus on what's on the inside, Steve. Because that's I, bad enough, isn't it? He's not, that, he's not hideous, is he? He's not hideous. I mean, I mean, you've just said, um, you know, you've talked about Only Fools and Horses. I mean, compared to Uncle Albert. We're like a couple of boxers. You know, we can go back to the other quotes. There's, as I say, with Jim Davidson, you don't have to You don't have to be nice about him. It's fine. Yeah. Let's call it as it is. Jim Davidson is not physically attractive at all, is he? In Stellar Street, there's a, a great scene where they're all playing Monopoly. And Phil Cornwall, as Michael Caine, makes a point of buying the old Kent Road. And as he does it, he sort of turns to someone and says, oh, it's bad, I'd like to forget where I'm from. And that's the sort of, and it's a great sort of gag in the show, because you can imagine Michael Caine doing that, you know, it's a, this whole thing where, there's, there is this thing where people who come from humble origins will always want to remember where they come from. And I think it was Jim Davis. In Davidson's. the most tokenistic way possible. This is the thing, isn't but it? It's funny you should say that, because uh, Michael Caine's biography was called Elephant to Hollywood, wasn't it? Yeah. His yeah. recent biography, autobiography. Yeah. yeah. You know. Carry on, Steve. That's <laughs> So yeah, I think with Jim Davidson, uh, he, as you say, wanted to pay lip service to the idea that he's uh, just a normal guy from South. I just want to get drunk and chase women. Whereas in reality, by this point, he's um, you know he's got a network television show. He's on mm. ITV on prime time, and this is the thing where you would have had. I'm assuming I forget when Channel Four launched, but you'd imagine if if Channel Four has launched, it's the early days of Channel Four. There's at the most there's four channels. You haven't yeah. got any Sky. You haven't got Channel Five. You've got four channels, and the chance are if you're a Jim Davidson fan, there's not going to be a lot on Channel Four that's tickling your fancy. There's not going to be a great deal on BBC that's tickling your fancy. 
Was it you, Steve, that was saying what would have been on the news would have been on BBC One? Yeah, news on BBC One. Open University on BBC Two. Yeah. Jim Davidson on ITV. And if Channel 4 was on Countdown, yeah, no, probably not Countdown. Countdown or something. You know, if you're, if you're a Jim Davidson fan, you, you're pretty much watching ITV that night. And yeah. in 1983, there were a lot of Jim Davidson fans. That's how you get a television show. Now, less so. And hopefully, you know, listen to this even less so. Because, you know, let's not be afraid to outline the fact that, you know, Definitely be Call at least out, one of his wives. So yeah. <laughs> at least one. Of at least one. I mean, wives. this is. I'm only. That, that's his first autobiography. I haven't he'd, read the later ones. Definitely where he... be at least twenty percent of his wives. <laughs> so going back to Desmond, Steve. Yeah, Desmond's. Uh, for people who don't know, uh, the premise was essentially set around uh, a family of uh, Guyanan origin who are living in Peckham. Uh, Desmond himself owns a barber shop. Uh, it's a very strong family. Uh, his wife's alongside him. They've got kids. Uh, they're very aspirational as a family. The son, Michael, is uh, working in the bank and wants to be the bank manager. They've got a strong circle of friends about them. It's, so it's, it's a wonderful show, and it's quite interesting because although uh, the main character himself, Desmond, is from uh, Guyana, and that's made clear, he had Matthew, who was uh, the Gambian character. And it was interesting as a show. I mean... To explore, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about sort of uh, 89 to 94, um, to have a show that explored the fact that there is uh, a rivalry between sort of uh, Caribbean and African culture in London, I think, isn't there? Where Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And the, the fact that they were prepared to explore this show, but it's still quite affectionate. It's made clear that, you know, there's no sort of hatred between the characters. No, the characters. I think it's the sort of thing that, um, I mean, I'm no expert, but it seems to be disappearing a little just because the cultures are kind of blending together. And obviously that was 15 and 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And there were much less, kind of, say the same of interracial marriage. Yeah. There would have been less, you know, people were either African or they were Caribbean. Yeah. I and mean, I'm simplifying, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But whereas nowadays it's not uncommon for, like, I was funny, I work in a school. And as you well know, Steve, that was one for the audience. <laughs> but I was talking to this kid today and I happened to ask where her parents were from just because I think she'd asked me. And she said, I've got two dads, one's African and one's Caribbean. Like, I didn't know where to go there. I was yeah. saying, but which one are you? But I, I decided against it. But, you know, that's the kind of... Uh, so, yeah, at the time, it would have been like... It was a kind was... of harmonious relationship that uh, they all had. It's the opposite of kind of a Spike Lee movie where everybody in it is a massive racist. Yeah. It's nice to maybe show the other side where maybe it is a little bit idealistic, but to show people living harmoniously is actually quite nice. Presumably it was funny as well, Steve. Because <laughs> the trouble is, I've only seen the first episode. Yeah. And the trouble is, these obviously it's difficult to judge it just on the first episode. But also, you find comedy doesn't all it doesn't age particularly well. No, a lot of no. it. Um, and it, I've, I mean, it's very broad. Yeah. You know, it's very like, what you said about the characters being likable. Like I think I'm not sure if it opens this way, but certainly within the first couple of scenes, you got Desmond. And he's in his uh, jacket in the mirror, just to talk to say you're 57 years old, you know, you still look great and stuff. And it's like, it's quite, it's charming. And it's the sort of thing where you can imagine wanting to tune in to just be with the characters. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of uh, making me laugh, I mean, all the storylines the girl had in the opening episode, the, all the kind of jokes and the main storyline, I mean, that was awful. Yeah. Um, and the son. He's, uh, he's rapping in it, yeah. which, which is, but again, it's 1989, so I suppose it's still early days, but it's all like, you know, 
excuse me, mum, I've got to go to school, you know, get out of my way because I'm feeling cool. That kind of like is just like <laughs> astonishingly bad. Uh, and similarly, uh, going back to Paul's and Horses, where uh, Damien aged rapidly and, you know, you've got John Sullivan who can do a lot of things but is not necessarily going to have his finger on the pulse of contemporary youth culture. One another thing that kind of aged it, John Barnes was sort of just, they dropped his name as like a sex symbol. And I, <laughs> I, enjoyed, I rather enjoyed that, I must say. <laughs> oh, another thing I liked... It, this is within the first five minutes of the sitcom. Um, Desmond's taking a stand against the sun. Yeah. He's like, don't buy, you know, why are you, why are you reading or yeah. buying the sun? They yeah. do, you know, they make up lies, you know, they're xenophobic. And yeah. it was like, it, like kind of nails its colours to the mast. And like, I don't know if the, I'm assuming that there's kind of not a political show, Steve. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was quite striking. Well, it was. I think Desmond's was, uh, it was socially aware. I mean, to c- contrast it with um, another show that came out uh, beforehand, um, No Problem was another Channel Four sitcom. Do you, that was that again was nineteen eighty three to eighty five. So it's exactly the same time as like the Elephant Around the Castle. It's not set in South London. It's set in West London. So but, what are we doing talking about? It? <laughs> well, we're talking about it because it was uh, it was uh, a black sitcom. Uh, Channel 4's first black sitcom. This uh, is not black sitcom hardcore. <laughs> but it got criticised nice a lot. hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> Fresh Prince, isn't it? We'll sing oh, the song. Too people, obvious, Steve. People I'm love, for a slightly people, left-field but reference. But people love the song, don't they? Yeah, the song. Um, with with uh, No Problem, it got a lot of criticism at the time for not addressing black issues. It was just, it was a sitcom that happened to feature black characters yeah. and didn't address any social issues. It, you know, the idea of, forget about five minutes, the idea of at any point someone giving a critique on the sun. Um, so I think it was possibly deliberate on the part of the creators of Desmond's. And, you know, they're both Channel 4 sitcoms. So possibly Channel 4 thought... And yeah, they're, they're, that maybe. Yeah, and also their remit is to do challenging television. So I think they thought, right, not only can we do something... A bit more politically, yeah. Desmond's is not politically, <laughs> but a bit more politically aware. Um, we probably should, which is is yeah. good. And you know, it. You know, I, I remember very little of no problem, but Desmond's is much better. And it's not just because it's set in South London, although it is partly. Yeah, it is partly that definitely. Do you think it would be morally questionable, Steve, if we put up Amazon links to the DVDs on our website? No, nah, I think well, because you know you get five percent of all sales. Then I, any problems I have have just been uh, yeah. entirely no, uh, no people. Well, I don't know. We, we'll, we're all part of YouTube clips, and I think what will happen is you'd imagine people look at YouTube clips from up the elephant around the castle. No one's going. Where do I buy all of these yeah. on video now? Yeah. Video uh, yeah, where do, on VHS. <laughs> where where can I get all of these now? You would hope it hasn't been released on DVD. I hope it has. No, I hope it has, actually. Yeah. I hope just it has, because, uh, and I hope that Jim Davison invested in the financing of the distribution mm. of the DVDs, and he lost a lot of money on it. Um, Personally paid for the pan and scan. Just, yeah, he, he's done... He, he gave up uh, three months of his life. more pan than scan, this thing, that's <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks for listening. That was the first episode of South London Hardcore. We'll be back next time. We'll be discussing uh, the Elephant Castle, specifically the shopping centre, but also a few bits and pieces around it. You can get in touch with us on our Twitter account. That's at SLHC Podcast um, on Twitter. We did want SLHC, but 
Sandra L. Hessler Cox is not replying to my messages. She doesn't even tweet these. Or using the account. No, she's not so, using the account. I find her on Facebook. Yeah. Send her a message on Facebook. Please let me have your Twitter handle. If only we had some means of communication to get out to the wider public and try and get that name. So we'll put out a plea now. If Sandra's listening, and she's probably a fan of the show already, she's like listened to that first episode and gone, I, you know, I wish I could help in some way. You can, you Sandra. can Sandra. You can get involved. You can be a key part of this There's show. There's a way only you can help. You, you can, can be involved. Steve. Let's thank the people that have helped us. Yeah, thanks to uh, Louis for drawing our logo. We'll definitely have him on at a later stage. Got to. South London legend. Can he? Uh, Glenn Holmes. Beautiful. With a set on the soundtrack. Yeah. Beautiful little theme tune there from yeah. Glenn. Um, thanks to my wife, Lakeisha, really, because we didn't have a microphone stand and we had to use a dressing gown cord <laughs> to tie the microphone to a magic arm. We're not afraid to pull away the curtain. The thing is, most people are going to know a magic arm is. They're going to be more fascinated by that than anything else. I didn't know until you it's started. It's like a tripod, isn't it? I think you should tell them. I think they should have visions <laughs> of this glowing arm that we're tying microphones to. Mm. I, like, I like that. And the microphone, of course, coming from my friend Jamie. Much appreciated, because you can't really have a podcast without a microphone, eh? Jamie is arguably the most important man exactly it's like trying to write a blog without a keyboard because otherwise it's just me and you in a room talking which is fine for us we're having a great time but not for the wider public no it's not going to work we we just don't shout loud enough do we no Um, you can get us on southlandhardcore.com as well or if you want to send us an email southlandhardcore at gmail.com and also we're on Facebook so do a little search for southlandhardcore and you know post on our wall Yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Good night, slash evening, slash morning.